So hear these words. He came down with them and stood on a level place with a great crowd of his disciples and a great multitude of people from all Judea, Jerusalem, and the coast of Tyre and Sidon. They had come to hear him and to be healed of all their diseases. And those who were troubled with unclean spirits were cured. And all in the crowd were trying to touch him for power came out from him and healed all of them. And then he looked up at his disciples and said, Blessed are you who are poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. Blessed are you who are hungry now, for you will be filled. Blessed are you who weep now, for you will laugh. Blessed are you when people hate you, and when they exclude you, revile you, and defame you on account of the Son of Man. Rejoice in that day and leap for joy, for surely your reward is great in heaven. For that is what their ancestors did to the prophets. But woe to you who are rich, for you have received your consolation. Woe to you who are full now, for you will be hungry. Woe to you who are laughing now, for you will mourn and weep. Woe to you when all speak well of you. For that is what their ancestors did to the false prophets. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. You may be seated. Let us pray. O Lord, use your servants' lips, your people's ears and hearts, that as they are joined together today, that the seed of your word might be planted and brought forth with a resurrection joy. Amen and amen. Are we there yet? You probably remember if you had kids, a point at which you went somewhere a greater distance than 35 minutes away. And suddenly, every 10 minutes or 12 minutes, are we there yet? Are we there yet? And it's as if the trip is going to last forever and you just wish you could say, it isn't. It's not going to last forever. Jesus talks to us in this Sermon on the Plain and He tells us a a number of things, a number of situations we find ourselves in, uh, a number of Uh, things we experience in our lives, and he says that for good or for ill, it won't last. It won't last forever. He gives us an abbreviated version of the Beatitudes in Luke chapter 6. It's the abbreviated version of Matthew chapter 5, and there are a couple of possibilities for why this is so. Some scholars would say that Matthew and Luke had these sermons of Jesus that they incorporated into their material and they incorporated them differently into their material as they were writing their Gospels and they put their own spin on it but that Jesus' sermons and sayings had been passed down and that's why Matthew puts it on the mountain. Matthew is talking to Jewish people and a sermon on a mountain makes him seem like Moses because the law in the Old Testament comes from the mountain and the law of Jesus comes from the Sermon on the Mount. 
And then there's another possibility, which is that Jesus preached similar sermons on different occasions, once on the hillside and once on the plain. Good preachers, especially if uh, the sermon went over well in one spot, will we'll preach it again. And I know this, not because I don't usually recycle sermons myself, but, but I, I had an evangelist once that was connected to the church I was serving in, and he came and he preached a sermon in 1995. And he made some good points. He used some good images. Uh, there were a couple of jokes that were scattered in. And, you know, over the months after he came and spoke, I remembered what he said. About a year and a half later, in 1996, he came back. And he preached exactly the same sermon. Same jokes. Same illustrations paused in the same places for a similar effect. I liked it better the first time than the second time. The first time, I enjoyed it. The second time, I thought, does he really not remember that he preached this just a year, a year and a half ago? And unless you write down where you've preached it, you might preach it again. So the Sermon on the Mount, the Sermon on the Plain, it can cause you some... Was it really on the mountain? Was it really on the plane? Or, or was Jesus simply telling the truth to as many people as he could possibly teach? Was he telling parables up in the north in Galilee that he would also tell on the shores of the Jordan River? And as he teaches, though, he teaches us about the state of who is blessed... And it's not exactly who you think would be blessed. He looks at his disciples and he said, Blessed are you who are poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. Blessed are you who are hungry now, for you will be filled. Blessed are you who weep now, for you will laugh. Now these are kind of states of being. You are poor, you are weeping, you are hungry. And then there's the way other people are treating you which is what happens to those who are blessed. Blessed are you when people hate you, when they exclude you, when they revile you, and when they defame you on account of the Son of Man. Now that on account of the Son of Man is, is really important. There are a number of people in the world that are, that are hated, that are excluded, and are reviled and defamed, but that's because they're genuine jerks. They don't know how to treat other people. They don't know when to speak and, and when to be, to be silent. They don't know what to say and what not to say. And they're just not socially adept. So blessed are you when people hate you, when they exclude you, revile you, and defame you on account of the Son of Man. Because you are a person of faith. Because your character grounds you in the relationship with God our fathers, our father. And so the second state of others that, that we find that won't last forever, and Jesus is telling the poor and he is telling the hungry and he is telling those who weep, it won't last forever. But he also talks about the state of the others that won't last forever either. Woe to you who are rich, for you have received your consolation. Woe to you who are full now, for you will be hungry and woe to you who are laughing now for you will mourn you will weep and what happens to them is the opposite of what happens to those who are blessed 
Woe to you when all speak well of you. They're popular. Everybody says good things about them. But that's what the ancestors did to the false prophets. Jesus is saying to those who are hungry, who are hurting, it won't last forever. Jesus is saying to those who are comfortable, who seem to have no worries in the world, it won't last forever. There is this constant change in life, even when we don't want there to be change. Change comes in order even to maintain. One of my favorite writers from the late 1800s, early 1900s that I quote periodically, G.K. Chesterton says this, if you leave a white post alone, it will soon be a black post. If you particularly want it to be white, you must always be painting it again. That is, you must always be having a revolution of painting. Briefly, if you want the old white post, you've got to have a new white post. If you want to have an old, wise spirituality, you've got to have a daily walk with Jesus. If you want to have a church that is grounded in the truth, then you have to speak the truth week after week after week. Look around you. Nothing remains the same. Things change, and even the things that we don't want to change... We have to put in the energy to maintain them, but the world around us is a changing world. Some of you may have pictures like this. There are only about a half a million people who have this exact picture of them leaning back in the Dead Sea. Sometimes they choose a newspaper. Sometimes they choose a book, but just leaning back in the Dead Sea and being relaxed and reading. Did you know that the Dead Sea is dying? If you went to the Holy Land 30 years ago, and if you went today, you would be able to tell a dramatic difference in the level of the Dead Sea. The Dead Sea is losing 17 centimeters a year, and unless something is done, the Dead Sea will cease to be and will be a bunch of salty mud there at the end of the Jordan River. The Jordan River's water is being used to, um, to hydrate the populations all up and down the riverbed. It's also being used for irrigation and the amount of evaporation from the surface of the Dead Sea is more than the amount of water that is being contributed to it by the Jordan River. Things are changing. We change. Me on the left is me today. Grandpa. This is what at least one of my programs thinks I'm going to look like in in 20 years. Um, Although, to tell you the truth, if I grew a beard, I'd look more like that (laughs) today than than I would have imagined. When we're young and healthy, we know that that's not going to last forever. There are a handful of people I know that can say, you know, I've never spent a day in the hospital in my life. 
And that's usually followed by until yesterday. And I spent a day in the hospital yesterday, and I didn't have any medical records because I've never been to the doctor. And, but, but for most of us, the older we get, the more we go to the doctor. The older we get, the, the more we, we take seriously what that top of the ladder says. This is not a step. I've used it as a step my entire life until I was putting up Christmas stuff this year. And this year it was not a step. Maybe it will be next year, but even if we're feeling good, even if we're active and healthy today, yeah, there are problems that inevitably will come. And it's not always in that direction. I like watching house renovations. This is a renovation that a couple did in North Carolina. They bought the house on the left for $80,000, and they spent $90,000 more to turn it into the house on the right, and it looks like a new part of the community not only can things go downhill things can go uphill not only can things deteriorate but things can get better what we have today won't last forever some of you will be thankful to know this because you've been through children that have had the terrible twos yes there are twos yes they are terrible And yes, they do end. They don't last forever. There are seasons in life that are very, very difficult for people. In fact, I have known more than, I would say, an average number of people who have been through just devastating trials in their lives, who have gone through hardships like I find it difficult to imagine And yet, psychiatrists and psychologists tell us that the majority of people, not everyone, but the majority of people who encounter life-altering, devastating events manage in about two years to reorient their lives. Now, there are exceptions. But when I say reorient their lives, what I mean is that after about two years, even people that have experienced incredible, devastating hardships can actually laugh, can get out and do things that that they wondered if they'd ever be able to do again. It won't last forever. There are two communities of people who are very happy this morning. They're all excited in Cincinnati and Los Angeles. It's not going to last forever. One, one group of people will, tonight when they go to bed, be incredibly excited. The other group of people will not be. Now, I don't know which group will be out burning couches in, in the roads, but it's hard, hard to tell. Uh, but we'll see. It's not going to last forever. Psalm, the, the Psalms talk about this. Psalm 30, verse 5 says, Weeping may linger for the night, but joy comes with the morning. And Jesus, as he is speaking to his listeners on the plain, he he talks to the poor and the hungry and those who weep and those who are reviled for their faith. And he doesn't sugarcoat it. But he does say, it won't last 
forever. Chin up. You are loved by God. And in the kingdom of God, in the kingdom of God, that which has been lost will be found. And on the other hand, he says to the rich and to the full and to those who laugh and to those who enjoy the praise of other people, it won't last forever. You should get your house in order. One day, wealth will be no good. One day, health will fail. One day, laughter will cease. And one day, it won't matter what anyone but God Almighty thinks about who we are. These things don't go on forever. There is a non-infinity about them. The situations we find ourselves in won't last forever, but there is something that lasts forever. And the something that lasts forever is the kind of love that mirrors God's love. Now, if you think about God's love as the sun, there is no duplicating the sun there is no replicating the sun but if you go out at night and you look at the moon as it's shining what you're seeing is the sunlight that is reflected off of the moon you and I can reflect the glory of God we can reflect the goodness and mercy and kindness of God and we can do that in a way that endures so we're our lesson ended this morning let's pick up and see this thing that lasts forever I say to you that listen love your enemies do good to those who hate you bless those who curse you pray for those who abuse you and if anyone strikes you on the cheek offer the other also Give to everyone who begs from you, and if anyone takes away your goods, don't ask for them again. Do to others as you would have them do to you. If you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? Now, I want to make a Greek point here. The same word that is translated credit here is the word in Greek for grace. What grace is it to you if you love those who love you? Grace is unmerited favor, unmerited kindness. And so if you just say howdy to those who say howdy to you, how is that unmerited kindness? If you love those who love you, what grace? What do you know about grace? Even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who do good to you, what what grace is that to you? What does that show about your, your sense of grace? Even sinners do the same. And if you lend to those from whom you hope to receive, what grace is that? Even sinners lend to sinners and hope to receive as much again. And here's where Jesus begins to summarize this teaching. Love your enemies, do good, lend expecting nothing in return. Your reward will be great and you will be children of the Most High. He's the one who knows what grace is all about. 
He is kind to the ungrateful and to the wicked. And so what is it that lasts forever? Be merciful, just as your Father is merciful. We have the capacity as those who were created in God's image. Now like C.S. Lewis, I suppose there's something about the anteater that displays something about the image of God. There's something about the gazelle and the zebra that displays something about the character of God. But you and I, as men and women of faith, we bear the image of God in a way that nothing else in all creation bears that image. And we, alone in all creation, can imitate our Father in heaven who is gracious to those who love Him and who gives gifts to those who don't. He is patient with those who are coming to Him, but the sun shines and the rain falls on the fields even of those who live as if there is no God. And we, alone in all of creation, have the ability to be merciful just as our Father is merciful. And we have the capacity to live according to what lasts. Don't know who you're cheering for. I lived about eight miles from uh, the Bengals' home base. Never actually attended a game. But uh, we lived in northern Kentucky there for a while, right near the riverfront. On a good day, I could be at the riverfront in 12 minutes. Every other day, it would be 45 to 50 minutes in traffic. But I don't know who you're rooting for. But this time next year, it won't matter much who won. What will matter is whether we have fashioned our lives around grace. Receiving it. You don't deserve God's love. I don't either. It's a gift. And those we'll encounter this week and next week, it's not about what we deserve. It's about being like our Father. Our Father who so loved the world that He sent His Son And in a much, much smaller way, as the benediction is proclaimed, he still sends sons and daughters, sons and daughters by grace, to go into the world in love. Will you live the kind of life that lasts? In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Let us pray.